What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, join with Matt as always. And uh, Matt, we have just when you thought it couldn't get any lower. Uh, the Yankees are now 500 for the first time since 1995. Um, the Mets are actually playing right now, and it is 0-0 in the top of the second inning against the Pirates. But their season, just like the Yankees, very much lost. Um, speaking of lost, Matt, how you doing today? Uh, I, I didn't. Was that a was that a shot at me or something? I'm I'm doing all right. I, I don't know. You just seem sometimes you seem a little little lost to me. You know. Right. Lost in the sauce. You ever hear that one? That's a good one. I've been actually using that a lot. Like, just like maybe if I don't have anything to say, I'll just say, "Yeah, I'm just kind of feeling lost in the sauce." I have a hat that says that on it. Of course you do. Um, lost in the sauce. Maybe the Yankees should start replacing their their logo with that exact hat. Um, because whether you take it from the top of the organization to Aaron Boone to I would even argue sometimes even the fans. Um, they are very much lost in the sauce. Uh, are you, you know, I, I guess the basic way to look at it is to you, is this season over for the Yankees? Well, I mean, just crunching the numbers. I mean, I forget exactly what the record they would have to have to, to win, you know, 84 games or so. It just, I don't know. It, it doesn't really seem feasible and we'll take a deep dive into the Yankees. I'm not trying to get too far ahead, but I mean, there's going to be some cushion to land on here. There's a couple teams you could beat, but you still have a series left uh, with time running out here uh, against Tampa and against Houston. So uh, you better beat up on Boston, assuming that the Yankees are going to get swept tonight. But, I mean, yeah, if I, if I was a betting man, which I guess I am, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say the season's the season's lost. Yeah, I, it's funny you say, you say that. You're, uh, if you're a betting man, as I watch my – my, I bet your fee in the Met game today, and that didn't hit, thanks to Pete Alonso, great snag at first base to save a run. Um, Hooray. And, uh, yeah, banner. Banner that one. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's, stay, let's stay with the Yankees here for a second. Um, 42 games left in the season, right? So – uh, they are, they're sitting at an even 500 again, first time or yeah. First time since 1995. Um, and it's, I, I guess the way I like to look at it is, you know, even if, even if you somehow go like, you know, you play, uh, to like a 750 winning percentage the rest of the year out, which again, I don't see even then this year might be considered a failure, just like everything that's gone on, uh, all the injuries and all the regression, um, every, all the. You know, the the lack of hitting, they get one hit last night. Uh, Severino just doesn't look like a real option. Uh, I think, you know, I guess that's where we can start here. Uh, did you how much of the Yankee game did you did you sit down and watch yesterday? Because I have some I have some thoughts on just that game. And then we'll get kind of we'll get step take a step back and look at the macro level. Yeah, uh, a decent amount. I watched all of uh, the game before. That one was a little more fun for my viewing pleasure. But yeah, I, I, got, I caught a decent amount of the Yankees. I made sure, uh, you know, when I have Severino, the self-proclaimed worst pitcher in the game right now, going up against a wagon of a lineup, yeah, I'm going to be tuned in. Yeah, I was I was pretty tuned in too. And I think it's like, you know, I don't even think it's like a misery thing. Obviously, I mean, I watch every game, but like I'm watching the games a little bit differently now. Uh, I'm kind of looking for... Again, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. Let me just put that out there. For I think it's was it 42 games left or so, or uh, something somewhere around like the 40 mark of games left in the season. Like I don't want to say that the season is uh, literally dead because I again I don't think it is. I think you know 
uh, I would be stunned to see that, see it happen, but there's a real, there's a world where the Yankees do turn it around and actually play uh, at least to the back of their team baseball card. But I mean, I'm watching this game and I, you know, I can't, I can't stop and think like, all right, who's going to help me next year and who's going to help me, you know, two years from now. And like, will Garrett Cole really win the Cy Young and is Garrett Cole turning into Jacob deGrom when the Mets couldn't score for him and couldn't support him at all? Uh, are they wasting judges contract? Are they wasting Cole's contract? Uh, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to, to ask you is as a Met fan who has lived through, uh, I guess more misery than I have lived through. We'll, we'll, I'll put it like that. Do you like, do you understand when I say how I'm watching it differently? Does that make sense? Well, yeah. I mean, you talk all the time about how this time of year, 2018, I'd, I'd still be making my way to the stadium. Uh, yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. But um, the thing is the Yankees are, are in no man's land in such a way that, you know, listen, the Mets, like even when the Mets sell, they're sort of aggressive about it, right? Like they ate a lot of money to try and shed some money. That's not the Yankee way. That's not what they're going to do. And oh, by the way, they're still sort of in the thick of it. So you're not going to be seeing kids. There's not really going to be a a big barrage of September call-ups for the Yankees. So you're kind of just watching these same players every day, just saying like, can like, can four of you guys just figure it out? Just at least be last year's version of you. Cause like there's, there's nothing new or exciting or there, you know, when you're saying like, Oh, well, who's going to help me next year? I mean, I look up and down the Yankee lineup and I'm like, all right, well, I mean, probably not Rizzo, probably not DJ. You know, I mean, I mean, really, who, like, who's there besides Aaron Judge that you can't blame for everything that's gone on right now? And this is also the first time that, you know, like, we're, we're sort of conditioned to say that over 162, the Yankees, are, the playoffs are a different story, but the Yankees are going to figure it out. They're going to find a way to get in, and then hopefully from there, it's a crapshoot. We'll see what happens. This is kind of the first year where they've done nothing. So deadline, obviously, they, they did absolutely nothing. And if you want to look at the offseason – they bring Judge back, which isn't really an addition, uh, and they bring in a pitcher who hasn't been great, but really, I mean, as thin as they are at starting pitcher right now, it's almost like it, that's not even the, the highest of concerns at the moment. So I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like this season's loss compared to others just based on it feels like they let these players expire and they didn't update, and they've done nothing about it, it last month when they had a chance to to maybe try and salvage some of it. Yeah, and I think that the the glaring signs of that was again at the deadline when uh, they they actually just stood pat. Uh, they got Ken, uh, Kenya Middleton, who has looked you know, he's actually looked great. And but look, shocker! Stop me when you've heard this again. Uh, the Yankees found a, a diamond in the rough relief pitcher. <laughs> like that's it's just like yeah. the only thing that they can do year in year out. Um, so I can't even. I'm not even gonna you know sit and say that. Oh wow, you know. Pat Brian Cashman in the back for finding him for finding yet another one. Cause that's what the fourth one he's found just this year. Um, I digress, but you're right uh, there. The biggest fear going into the season was them not adding enough or, or not changing enough. And I guess I, what you and myself like to call it, but running it back. Right. And essentially, you know, when you, you bring in Rodone as your big, you know, big ticket item this off season, uh, and then he doesn't even pitch until what four or five months into the season. Uh, you ran it back. Uh, you play with the exact same team. You didn't add a left fielder. Uh, you you put you tripled down or I guess doubled down on Donaldson at third. That didn't pan out. Um, it's just it just really uh, kind of screams of not malpractice, but just like 
you know, they're it seems like they're in a, they're in multiple different directions. And they, they when you're in multiple different directions, you're directionless. Right. And like you said, the when the Mets sell, right, they actually put their foot down and said, we're going to sell it, you know, Again, you can make the argument about whether saying that they're not going to be competitive next year was the smart thing to say. But if we're being brutally honest with each other, sometimes that's that's the best thing. And I feel like a lot of Yankee fans. I'm not saying that this is my position, but a lot of Yankee fans definitely feel that maybe the Yankees do just need a year where not necessarily getting slapped in the face, but a year where they can kind of you know look themselves in the mirror and, and kind of say that. You know, let's let's start preparing for the not the next regime, because, again, Cole and Judge are the forefront of this. But, uh, you know, the next the next slew of, you know, I guess, support for these guys that uh, we can look forward to. And really, we haven't really seen much of that. Um, Severino right now doesn't look like an option. Uh, He's I actually thought he looked this might sound crazy. uh, He looked much better last night than he has in the past couple his past couple starts. Um. Again, yeah, that, we got the, that. Uh, we got that ERA below eight, baby. Yeah, ba- banner season. Come the Yankees. Next time we're in Yankee Stadium, we'll take a picture next to that banner, um, and we'll we'll post that on the Instagram. I'll get that up for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he. It's crazy because they were talking about it last night in the broadcast that you know Yankee fans will look at this and say, "Oh, well, the Yankees just keep running Severino out. They're kind of crazy." But if you if you if you really step back and look at it. Every like last straw Severino's been on, there's been an injury, right? There was uh he was bad to get taken out, and then the Domingo thing happened. Then he was bad to get taken out, and then uh Carlos Rodon gets hurt, and then he's bad to get taken out, and then Nestor gets hurt. So it's like he's had like four or five, you know, last straws, and he's getting all the chance in the world to do it, and and he's just not. And again, he looked better last night, but I mean it's hard to look worse than what was it? He came with like a nine ERA. I saw some stat last night that he has in 14 first innings this year, uh, he has given up like 26 runs, which is unfathomable. I, I doubt I, – I, I bet there's 14 starts in Garrett Cole's season this year. You know, any pick any random 14 that he didn't even give up 26 runs total in the entire start. Uh, it, it's it's bad. Uh, and, you know, just sticking to Seve, and I guess the last thing I'll say on him is I think it's best for just both sides now to just – you know, obviously the Yankees can fill that spot with a guy like a Randy Vasquez, uh, a guy like a Johnny Brito, uh, you know, any one of their, you know, up and coming arms down low um, in the minors. Um, and, you know, they it would be smart for them. And honestly, you don't I don't know if you felt this way watching Seve. Maybe I'm just watching it a little bit differently than you. And obviously I've, I've probably watched Severino more than you. But man, he just looks like defeated. Right. He, he kind of just looks like he looks up and, oh, wow, another home run. I just made the, that first inning yesterday was such a mentally taxing inning. Right. They get that uh, Acuna. I think Acuna gets on. They try to pick him off at first. He gets the third. Um, and then and then they they miss. A, I think he got Matt Olson three and two. after He was down three out to Olson, comes back to three, two and then throws a oh, completely overthrows a fastball, walks him. Next pitch. Uh, right down the middle, Marcelo Zuna home run. Like not even uh, it was. I'm watching that game, and I I think a lot of Yankee fans probably said, "Here we go!" Right when right when uh, Ozuna came to the plate there, and three nothing before you could blink, and the game was over. And uh, you know, not to kind of put it on Sevy, but let's I guess we'll start talking about the other guys. They get one hit last night, so 
theoretically, Seve could have went nine innings, one run, had the start of his life, rebounded his season completely, and the Yankees would have lost. That's kind of the, which is such a 2023 Yankees way to lose a game and to, I guess, just go through a game. Uh, it's just a microcosm of the season, and it's it's really uh it's it's really bad. But um, getting back but, but to what with, you said with Sevy, yeah, you know, and I agree with you. If we're kind of at the point now where we're like, this isn't good for anyone. It's not even healthy for everyone. The Yankees can fill that spot. Why has that not been done already? Like, because as much as we're like halfway pronouncing the Yankees dead, they're still in it. Like, why why are we still letting Severino go out there and face an Atlanta an Atlanta Braves lineup at this point? Well, because it's the it's the injuries it's you know, I I'm, I truly believe that, you know, it all else stays the same. And you have a you know, you have a healthy Rodon, even regardless of, uh, you know, performance. If Rodon is healthy and can throw, he's going to pitch. They're not going to they're not going to shelf Rodon for next year. Uh, same thing goes for Nestor. Uh, I mean, they just really don't have a lot of, you know, starting arms They're They're moving Mike King into a starting role. And apparently I was listening to Boone speak yesterday that. That he that's kind of like his request and kind of crazy. You know, do you remember back a few months ago with uh, the Austin Wells, Anthony Volpe thing when, you know, Austin Wells pretty much said, hey, why don't you do like this little one thing with your swing and you might be good. And now Volpe's actually playing like a major league player, if not a little bit better. Like, it's kind of crazy that that happens. And like the Yankees have all these analytics and all these people around the organization and no one ever no one ever told Volpe. Oh, you know, do this with your swing. No one ever told Mike King, hell, you know, you might be good starting if you can go like, you know, 50, 60 pitches. No one ever said that. Like, doesn't that just scream just like incompetence to you? Uh, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it kind of, yeah. I mean, it puts him into perspective Verlander's complaint with the Mets. I don't know if you saw the other day, sort of mentioning that, you know, the Mets aren't as analytically advanced as Houston and, uh, apparently there was someone in the Mets higher ups that took offense and, you know, Verlander was upset because we're trying to improve whatever. It's crazy how much analytics has to do with the game now and how beneficial it is really. Yeah. And I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see. I think there's like some murmurs around like Yankee Twitter and just like the, the overall vibe of like different, you know, people that, that are you talk to and things you listen to that this might be the last straw for Boone. You know, I'll say this. I don't think Boone should get fired, right? But I think you might have to fire Boone. And like not in a not in a, in a performance-based thing cuz look, I think Boone, you there's an argument and there's a side to be made that given all the injuries and you know missing Judge for this long, it's kind of crazy how this roster, look at all these numbers on this team and like they're still 500 and they were like well over 500 for a long time. You can make the argument that Boone is I think even Michael Kay has said that this is this is Boone's like some of Boone's best work. But yeah, and even from the Yankee side, he's kind of he's been everything that they asked him to be. And I want to yeah. I want to get to this point with you that you're making of what's going to happen at the end of the season if this season is lost. But I wanted to slip one point in when you mentioned, you know, after missing Judge all this time. That's a viable excuse, but I'm not, I don't think it's really one that I want to hear at the end of the year. Kind of like you used to tell me, like, listen, I don't want to hear that the Braves never lose because yeah. I think we all had this sort of misconception. You know how many times I said here with you, like I I've never seen one player just mean so much to a team that right now they're terrible because he's out. 
And then I, you know, I saved the text from our friends who said, you know, Judge is coming back this week. They'll make the playoffs. So I took note of that. It's kind of like he came back and all those other issues with all those other players, you know, glaring issues. You know, LeMayu, uh, Rizzo can't hit. Rizzo's Like, it wasn't really that all along. You know, like, this was a very flawed team yeah. um, before Judge and now with Judge. And especially now, I mean, there's not – there's no protection for Judge. No one lets him get on base. This guy's walking twice a day. And, um, you know, he, he can't really be a threat when he's the only threat. Yeah, you're you're 100 right, and I, I think that I I agree with you. I, I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna sit at their every year they have like a big you know uh big show on yes for like the the post uh postseason inter- interviews with Cashman and Boone this might, and House Steinbrenner. First year that I like heat up a bag of popcorn and I watch the Yankees <laughs> postseason show. Yeah, welcome welcome to like the last five years of my life. Um, it, it's it, but it's always like every year you'll get. This is what the Yankees are due for at those, right? They're due for we were injured, one. Two, Blank has an injury that, you know, he was dealing with the entire year, which this year it could have been Trevino because Trevino's out for the year. Uh, I mean, if you look at the team, like everyone gets hurt. Uh, it's And it's like, like you can look at the Judge and Rizzo uh, injuries just in themselves. It's like it's very unfortunate luck. Like Judge's injury is – not like a, you know, not like a hamstring. It's not like a soft tissue injury. He literally ran into a wall, the bottom of a wall, and, and and hit his toe on it. Like, that's so unfortunate. Anthony Rizzo goes for a routine pickoff, and he bashes his head into Fernando Tatis's leg. That's the season right there, right? Like, regardless of what you think about the roster, once those two guys are out, or I'll say, I'll say not able to perform, not necessarily out, because Rizzo was playing, but kind of playing clouded. Those are your two, those are two of your biggest bats. Oh, and of course you could pencil in Stanton for an, uh, two or three IL stints a year. Um, you know, that's, that's your season right there. You know, if you, if let's just say theoretically, Anthony Volpe came up and he was, uh, I don't know, he, he became Dansby Swanson overnight. I think this, this team still isn't that good. You're know, like, they're way away is what I'm trying to say. Like they're not, they're not close to the Braves. And I think that, kind of circling it back here that's th- that's what this series is showing me and i think that you know there's just such a gap between them and the best team in baseball that they kind of, this is a this is a look yourselves in the mirror series for sure and uh i, I it's going to be interesting to see what they say at these uh you know i'm almost like counting down the days to to those like the the pre- end of the year press conferences because i'm so curious to see what they have to say and like if they really think like you know if they there's no way they can possibly go up there again and say that, you know, this season was derailed because of injuries. This season was derailed because the roster you put together is not only injury, uh, is not only very susceptible to injuries, but it's just a bad roster. How about that? Why don't you say that, Brian Cashman? Yeah, yeah. And again, I still and, do want to get to the the demise maybe of Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone. I think the biggest, like, uh, just like sore thumb, on the team at this point is is John Carlos Stanton, who you just said you could pencil in for two or three uh, IL stints a year. This guy's got five years left. He can't run. And there was always this sort of air around him that we would always say, well, listen, like when the playoffs come, he'll turn it on. He'll be there for the playoffs. I mean, at this point, we're not if, if we don't get there, what what use is he to you? So this is just going to keep rounding back to like the Yankees had to get a little creative and eat some money to shed some money. Because I really think next year you're going to be running out close to the same thing you are now. 
It's not like, you know, Tani's coming here. Yeah. That, yeah, that's anything big, I think, is definitely out. Outside of, you know, some sort of like, again, some sort of uh, disgruntled superstar or something to that extent. You know, does a does a guy like Soto really walk? Does a um, do the do the Cardinals look at themselves and say, hey, like, you know, we, we held on for Arenado this year. But if we waited to the offseason, maybe we can get, you know, triple his value. And maybe that's the move that the Yankees kind of back up. And, you know, I'm just throwing out spitting, spitting out some names right now. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's. I, I'm a real believer, though, getting back to Stanton, I think that like a, a, a well-constructed lineup and a well-constructed field with good depth and like a real contender of a team, Stanton's a good DH. Like, I'm cool with having Stanton as a DH, but you can't you can't expect him, you know, have him DH three games, one off and have him. If you can, your goal for Stanton is to have him play, you know, let's just say even 110 games a year. Let's just. Let's just say 100 games a year at, at only DH on a good team. That'll work. And I think that that's what the Yankees think. But what the Yankees don't know is that they just don't have the good team. And I think that uh, with a weak, very weak fielding class in this upcoming free agency, it's going to be interesting to see how, how much they're kind of pushing the ball down the court here. Um, I will say, though, there there's definitely uh, some murmurs within the Yankees. Um, I guess some of the some of the writers, I know Chris Kirshner of The Athletic uh, keeps kind of uh, detailing how the Yankees are definitely looking at some of their farm pieces to to that have been performing well to come up here as part of like a September call up sort of thing. Uh, Everson Pereira, one of them. Uh, I've even seen the idea of Austin Wells. Look, there, there's there. You can name you know any sort of uh, prospect or whatever. If if that's the case, if that's what we're looking for, the season's done. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm not looking forward to this series. I'm looking forward to. Ooh, maybe in two weeks they'll call up blank prospect. You know what I mean? That's to me, that's when I know the season's kind of just just scrapped. Um yeah. so so but, let me ask you as a Yankee fan, yeah. not not what I what you think is going to happen, but what you think the fan base will accept before we move on to the New York Jets here. Um, it's it seems just consensus wise and just sort of like a no-brainer that the sacrificial lamb is going to be Aaron Boone. Um whether that's fair or not, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it's fair, but I get that sometimes you just have to make a change. And I don't really think that he or Cashman have done a bad job. I mean, Cashman's been here for 25 years. Um, this is only going to be the fourth time they missed the playoffs under him, if they do. So, you know, within 25 years, there's going to be a mistake here. There's going to be a mistake there. But I think if you had to play the blame game with the Yankees, I think he probably deserves most of it, if not more than Boone at least. Is it enough to sell to your fan base that you just switched out managers and you brought in another, you know, no disrespect to Boone, sort of another puppet, and Brian Cashman just stays put? Is that enough to sell to Yankee fans? Um, because, you know, I mean, he just got an extension. I don't think he's going anywhere. It's a lot easier to pull the trigger on the manager. Do you, like, how do you think fans react to that? Will they just be – because we know how Yankee fans are, a lot of them. You know, like, I feel like it's going to be a celebratory moment. Oh, Aaron Boone's gone, but is that enough? Are they going to be like, well, what about Brian Cashman? Well, I'll say this. I think that the – you're right. The The overall vibe is that, you know, the an Aaron Boone move would just be like a, a one of not much significance, but in, in the fans' eyes, it would just be like a, a line of demarcation saying, like, all right, look, like – this was unacceptable. It's not 100% your fault, but 
I think like, you know, the, the people that did support Boone or the, the Boone supporters per se, I feel like are at a point where they're kind of like indifferent to him coming back. And then the ones that want him gone, obviously still want him gone even more now that they're again, 500 for the first time since 1995. Um, so I think that, you know, Cashman is, I, I'm a big believer that Cashman is kind of set there. Like he's not, he doesn't go until Cashman says he goes or, you know, uh, unless the, the season gets uh, embarrassingly ugly, if it's not already, um, or even next year it gets embarrassingly ugly. Um, I think Cashman's safe. But I, I did bring up, uh, you saw when I was talking yesterday in one of our chats, um, my what I thought would be a, uh, a people-pleasing move for the Yankees. Did you see that? I wanted to lay that out here on the podcast. Um, I I do, but I don't remember it fully. So lay it out here, and I'll I'll catch up on it. Yeah. So I, I my premise was all right. Look, like again, Aaron Boone. If you're if we're all gonna agree that you know maybe he doesn't deserve to be fired, but maybe it's just the right thing to be fired, uh, then let's just get Aaron Boone out of the picture, right? So now we have an open, um, Cashman stays. We have an open manager position on the Yankees. And I think that, you know, looking at some of the moves that they've made and listening to one side of the fans, right? So there's your, you know, this just from listening to sports radio, right? There's your, the fans that are like the younger new age fans that are, you know, we're okay with, you know, losing if that means in a few years we get better prospects. And then there's the ones that are, I guess the highly analytical crowd. And then there's the ones that say, you know, Oh, I want Don Mattingly to coach this team. I want Derek Jeter to coach this team. You know, Speaking the, of Derek Jeter, by the way, what, what's with all the rumblings that, like, if Cashman were to get the axe, that Jeter would step into the role? Give me a break. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's – I think people look look at, like, the, the Miami Marlins and they kind of say, like, oh, well, the Miami Marlins are better than us and Derek Jeter had, had a hand in that. So, I yeah, no, I don't think Derek Jeter – Derek Jeter and Brian Cashman, I don't even think are, like, friends. So, I don't know – well, I mean, if, the, if what you're going by is teams better than you, then there's a hell of a lot of GMs out there. Yeah, it, it, that's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, it's just the it, that's the contingent of fans that that want, uh, you know, just Yankee blood. And so let me let me I'll lay out my finite plan. All Yankee fans are kind of can kind of agree that what they're very good at is developing and finding pitchers uh, or, and finding these diamond in the rough pitchers. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Matt Blake. Matt Blake is widely regarded as a great pitching coach. The Yankees, for uh, not for nothing, every year, year in and year out, have a, an elite bullpen. Uh, they, they're going to have the Cy Young, an elite bullpen. I mean, Nestor Cortez comes out of nowhere. They got Rodone coming back next year. They have some young arms in the in their farm system that are very widely regarded as good in the farm system. The Yankees are good at developing pitching, right? I think you know, a, a good move here or a good couple of moves here would be if you fire Boone, make Matt Blake the the coach, the manager, and have Andy Pettit, who recently had just stepped in as an, an advisory role to the Yankees uh, pitching staff, have him become the pitching coach to fill Matt Blake's shoes. And then with that, you kind of kill like a few, few birds with just one stone, right? You fire Boone, so all the fire Boone uh, – contingent of fans are happy uh you bring matt blake who i think all all the yankee i guess uh fan base can kind of agree that he's great and has been great you bring him into a more prominent role as the manager but at the same time matt blake young doesn't have um, managerial experience in the mlb 
would just be another puppet for the front office to control. And again, getting back to the, the filling the Matt Blake shoes, if you fill those shoes with a guy like Andy Pettit or even just like another, and I only bring up Andy Pettit because he's currently working with the staff, but if you fill those shoes with someone that's been in the league or doubled down and been in the league with the Yankees, like a David Cohn or something like that, I think you you fulfill the the wants and needs of those Yankee fans that also want like more, you know, they don't want the the nerds telling them how to play baseball. You know what I mean? They want the the guys that have been there, done that, teaching these guys how to play and making the the decisions, right? So imagine next year, uh, Matt Blake is the manager, Aaron, uh, Aaron Boone, Andy Pettit is the pitching coach, and then you bring back Sean Casey to be the hitting coach. That way, the front office has a puppet. You get two guys that have ma- real successful major league experience, and you get that Yankee blood with Andy Pettit there still. I think you kill a lot of birds with uh, with just one stone there, to be honest. Yeah. Is there I another, think it makes a lot of sense. Is there another team on the planet that has to, and a lot of it is self-inflicted with the mission statements and this and that, is there another team in the world that has to take into account as much as the Yankees do Every move they make, like the fan service side of it, and then the the what makes sense for our baseball team side of it. Like, I don't think there's any, like even Dallas Cowboy fans, they get it now. They're like, all right, we're not special. We understand. I feel yeah. like with the Yankees, it's like, it's almost 50% PR that you have to do with every single decision that you make. Yeah, I, I think there's there's no one no one comparable to the Yankees. I would say even sometimes up until, I guess like uh, at least like a week ago, I would put the Mets there too, or not a week, maybe a couple weeks, whatever the trade deadline was. I think the Mets sometimes do that too. I think it's like a New York thing. No, they, they really do it, do. but I just mean in terms of like having to do it because of like the fans and what they yeah. will and won't accept, you know? Yeah, well, it, that's why this offseason is going to be very interesting because there's going to be a lot of different uh, spots to fill. And one thing that the Yankees love, like you said, is just they love to do these little PR stunts, whether it's like, oh, you know, yeah, he's okay. And then next week he goes on the IL. Like, just say he's hurt. Say he's not feeling 100. percent I watched uh, every. I watched so much baseball, and every time I watch, it's always, oh, you know, so and so is not in today, but it's all right. He was just a little banged up, so they're just giving him a day. It's never like that with the Yankees. It's like DJ Lemayhew goes down for three games, and he's like, yeah, no, nah, he's good. He's just, you know, just resting. Like, no, he's hurt. Just, just call a spade a spade. You know, it's, it's not a, it's, it's not like this big secret organization. It's not, you know. 1995 when everything's a secret everything is out there the numbers are accessible we can see every number that not every number but majority of numbers they see we see too it's like it's like they're they're almost like behind in that sense and i guess they're they're behind in the sense that they feel they have to appease the crowd as well kind of getting back to what you're you're you were saying there but um yeah it's uh it's it's dark times for the yankees for sure right now it's it's not um it's, it's not good. So some hard knocks for the Yankees and uh, I guess a more positive hard knocks for the Jets. Uh, hard transition here. Matt, how you feeling about hard knocks? I, I thought episode one was great. Episode two, I'm kind of on the fence. Yeah, I saw you and uh, Matt both say that. I thought it was, I, I liked it. It was kind of a, uh it was a deeper look into the Jets and and what issues might be. I mean, I loved watching Salah sort of, uh, you know, call out the offensive line in front of a whole room and say, you know, 
and sort of address what you and I have had to endure with the Jets for years and years, like just the, he called it the stink on the offensive side of the ball and basically telling those men that they have to change who the Jets are if they're going to achieve anything. So I like that. I thought it was a little bit of a deeper look. Uh, Just some other notes from the episode that I wanted to hit on. I think the Aaron Rodgers culture shift, as much as we give it a lot of credit, I'm not sure we give it enough. Uh, If you see that play against the Panthers where Zach Wilson sort of pulls off the vintage Rodgers free play and he doesn't get the free play. And then Rodgers talks to the ref and asks, well, who, who was the guy that moved? Just who was it? And why couldn't we get that free playoff? Because Rogers now wants to talk to that guy and say, listen, this is a thing we're going to, we're going to want to hit for maybe a couple touchdowns this year. This is how we want to execute. That's not a thing you would have seen from Zach Wilson in the past or even a Sam Darnold. So I think, uh, I think those are all positives. Um, Yeah. I enjoyed the episode. I've, I've enjoyed getting into the jets more. Um, It's interesting that now we know the end, the the result of the season with the Jets mentalist coming in and letting us know that (laughs) the Jets will be winning the Super Bowl by a score of 31 to 21 against the 49ers. But no, I mean, a a lot of positives to take out of the episode for whatever it's worth in training camp. Yeah, I I agree with everything you say there. And I kind of just want to get this quote out into the air before I forget. I think, you know, regardless of what happens record wise, regardless of what happens uh, you know, during the entire Rogers tenure, I think a the most undersung thing, and I, I truly believe this, will be the effect it has on Zach Wilson. I really am. I, I I see it not just from Hard Knocks. You could just tell by you know his morale, and we haven't heard anything from you know uh, anything about anything about him, anything about his family. He's not in the limelight. He's able to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, who I mean, he says is his favorite player, his mentor. And he's able to learn behind him. And I really think it's an ideal scenario to be in for Zach Wilson. And I think it's an ideal scenario to be in for the Jets. And again, regardless of what happens to Rodgers, I I still have high hopes, high aspirations for this Jets team with Rodgers. But looking, taking a step back and looking at, you know, the next four or five years, I, I really can see Zach Wilson at the helm here in the next, you know, within the next four or five years post Rodgers era. Agree or disagree? I, I sort of agree. I mean, I, I agree with you, and but my sentiment is more just just the culture of the entire team because I I, I think that the, the Zach Wilson thing, I'm not going to be able to feel the way that you do until we decide or we, we figure out what the Jets are going to do uh, fifth-year option-wise. Like, are the Jets going to see enough to, to pay Zach Wilson to stay? Or is this more of like, a, you know, let's get some good tape on Zach Wilson and then maybe we could get something out of him. Uh, before that fifth year. I, I, but I mean, listen, but you're right. It, it is ideal. It keeps that option open for you. And maybe the more of Zach Wilson we see, maybe it just starts to become a no brainer. Like, yeah, why wouldn't this guy uh, be the next to take over? But um, a big addition to the Jets. Was there anything yep. else about hard knocks that you wanted to hit on before we talk about uh, the big player that the Jets just signed for one year? Not, not, nothing in particular. Um, I, I just, I just want to say that I'm, I'm so, like I said to begin the episode, I am just lost in the sauce of the Jets. Like I'm so bought in. <laughs> I'm so like, you can't. There's nothing anyone can tell me about this Jets team that will knock me off how I feel about them because of hard knocks. Me too. I just, I, I think I just keep coming back to the offensive line. But yeah, yeah. Behind me too, that but... offensive line, the Jets finally inked Dalvin Cook to one year. I believe it was eight point six million dollars. Uh, Brees Hall officially off the physically unable to play list or to perform list. 
So, I mean, you brought in a buffer. You brought in a guy who's going to be able to, to perform at a high level until Brees Hall is able to. I think you're even going to see both of them on the field at the same time. Um, I wouldn't call this a necessity, um, but, you know, this is a luxury, and it gets the Jets a little bit closer. So why not? I mean, when you have your quarterback taking the pay cut, this was probably the best available player on the market. Um, you know, why not pull the trigger? So the Jets bring in Dalvin Cook. I mean, them and maybe one argue Green Bay, it's probably the the most talented uh, running back room in the league. And even if it's not, for the value of these players and what they're paying to Michael Carter, Brees Hall, and Dalvin Cook altogether, I mean, value-wise, it's certainly the best. So it's a move I'm excited about. Again, not a necessity, more of a luxury. But uh, Dalvin Cook is a jet this season. Yeah, big signing. And I think that, you know, I was listening to some sports radio yesterday and a lot of issues about, you know, his uh, it's like a big morale or a moral going against the Jets morals and everything that they're preaching. But like, you know, taking a step back, you know, obviously there's been some some bad, bad things to come out of, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook's career thus far, we'll say off off the field. Um, but, you know, you can if you're the Jets, you kind of want to look at this very simply, you know, he's you're innocent until proven guilty. Right. And if the Jets want to gamble that. You know, maybe they look at themselves and said, all right, we got a couple couple tough games at the beginning of the season. Uh, Brees Hall will not be 100 percent until, let's say, week four. Let's just say if by week three, Dalvin Cook is either, you know, not healthy or uh, something he gets suspended or something like that, then they're going to bank on that Brees Hall can then fill the role. Almost like kind of like what the Yankees do with like an opener. You understand what I'm saying? Like where they're Dalvin Cook is the opener for Brees Hall is how I kind of looked at this regardless of what happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, and I think it's like, I don't think it's much more than that. Like, I don't think it's, you know, people are saying that, uh, you know, this is Rogers, like the jet Rogers has the jets in a, in a chokehold and, and he might, but I don't think this is Rogers. I just think this is being smart. If you're trying to win a super bowl. What about a super bowl? If you're trying to win a Super Bowl, yeah, oh. sorry, I, you, yeah, you blanked out there, but uh, yeah, 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 no, I mean, I, I agree with you. Why not? What yeah, I would really I, like to see from the Jets is, and I assume that Joe Douglas is all over the pulse of this, is I, I need a tackle. Speaking yeah. of, tackles, I mean, there was there was another part of the episode from last night where you know, as for as much as we hear about Aaron Rodgers off the field, and you know, teammates have issues with this and that, he's not a leader, blah blah blah. I mean, this guy's like going up to Makai Becton saying like, Hey, let's get together and talk this week. At yeah. Lunch. That was really cool. Yeah, it's that, just that was, thing that was cool. had before. Yeah. They, they didn't have like, you know, not saying that no one ever kind of, you know, said, Hey, let's, you know, let's go talk or whatever, but it means it's a little different. It's, it's a little something different when it's coming from Aaron Rodgers to Makai Becton, than like a uh, Zach Wilson or Mike white, you know what I mean? It's, it's totally just a different perspective. Um, yeah, I, I really like that. I think that the only problem I have with Rodgers, and I'll say this, and it's not really like a, a hard knocks take. It's more just a Rodgers take. To me, Rodgers is definitely like uh, he's a showman, right? And he's like he's all about like the bright lights. And remember when he scored in uh, like uh, what was it, Chicago? And he's like, I own you. I own you. Like yep. to me, like he has a flair for like he understands how the media works and what the media is going to eat up. And I guess like the, the overall how to get his perception to be the best and how to get his perception to be the worst. 
And I, to me, that that's always going to be in the back of my mind. And I'm not like accusing him of being fake or anything, but I think that just just like looking at some of those things, it's like, all right, HBO crew is here. How do I like make myself like really appeal to Jet fans? Like, what if I go up to their you know somewhat failed uh, prospect uh, in Makai Becton and kind of lend him a helping hand? I think Jet fans will really eat that up. I'm not yeah. accusing but, him but of doing that, side, but on the flip side, you know. the worry was that he was going to come here and be a pain. Kind of yeah. like he was in Green Bay here and there. You know, I'm not going to blame it all on him. I'd much rather a fake Aaron Rodgers who's hitting all the right notes than a guy who was going to come in here and start just saying outrageous things. Well, I, uh, yeah, well, I, I it's, it's hasn't happened yet. And I, I'm not going to say that it will happen. I'm definitely not rooting for anything like that to happen. But I thought there was a scene, uh, again, getting back to hard knocks, there was a scene yesterday uh, in the episode, uh, episode two, if you're listening to this late that he he kind of they ran like some sort of play and he came back to the sideline and he he was like he said something to the I think it was Hackett or whoever it was and he was like uh yeah that's why we don't run that play out of that formation so uh, to me it's like he he really does have like this is Aaron Rodgers offense at the least uh and I think that you know you can make the argument that again he I don't think he has him in a chokehold but I would be stunned if Rodgers didn't go to the Jets and say go get me Dalvin cook. You know what I mean? Like if he's there, get me him. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and it's not, again, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just, just stating a fact. And at the end of the day, to me, I, I really think that Rogers is here to kind of prove to himself, not even himself. Cause to me, he, he's already, he's obviously already solidified, but to kind of take it to the Packers in a way that's like, you know, see what happens when I actually have a good team around me and what I can actually do, you know, because if Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, you know, his first quote's going to be like, yeah, you know, obviously very, very happy for my guys, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, look what happens when you have a really good team around you. You know, he's going to say something like that, right? Yeah, I think the the second that he took that pay cut, which is something that he never did for Green Bay before, probably yep. because of the lack of, you know, help that he was getting and stuff. I think that right when that happened, I was like, all right, like, well, first of all, the relationship there was probably a little bit, probably a little bit worse than we ever thought it was. And yeah, I mean, he's a petty guy, <laughs> you know, I don't think the Packers yeah. are the first thing on his mind or whatever, but no, I mean, you're hundred percent right. I, I think there's definitely an element of him. That's like, uh, I'll stick it to them real quick before I yeah. shut the door on this hall of fame career. Yeah. Like if he, if he shut the door, he would have had to do it at his, at his can speech. Now he can actually do it on the field, you know, or he can try and do it on the field. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know a good way to summarize it is they they're they're going to the same goal but have different paths, right? They're 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 obviously on the same team, obviously, but the Jets just just want a Super Bowl. They just want to be relevant. Rodgers obviously wants a Super Bowl as well, but he also wants he's on his kind of like revenge tour almost. You know, he's that's that's at least the vibe I get from him. Um, but talking about paths, uh, the Jets' schedule. We'll go through it real quick. Uh, not, we're not going to get too deep into every game, but Matt, if you're ready, I think we're, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go play a little win loss, win, win, win. Yeah. I'm pulling up a notepad here. Uh, like you said, I'm not going to get too into every game. So, you know, it, even stop me if I feel the need to be like, well, listen, I'm only giving them this win because I think they're going to lose the net. Just, just let me give you a winner loss and we'll have our records up. We'll, uh, we'll post them and, and all that good stuff. Cool. So do you want to go, you want to go week by week or do you want to just go all your win loss win or you want to, I mean, I don't minor? have it. I don't have it ready. So if we we can go week by week, but like I said, just don't let me go off on a tangent. All right. Noted. All right. 
Week one, Monday, 8-15, it, in MetLife, the Jets host the Bills. 1-0. Uh, that is the first loss for me. And I guess I guess we can, we can debate as we disagree. And I'll say this. I, I just think it's something to be said about um, – just like the the bringing back this the same system per se versus the first week of a new system off no no preseason and look I get it's Rodgers and whatnot but I think that you know to me the Bills are kind of like we said about the Yankees the Bills are running it back essentially and they're a really good team uh, and it's not like a it'll be a pseudo home game for them too which I think kind of kind of falls into my my take here so. I got yeah, the Jets well, I just think one. they're going to have to beat the Bills if they want to be for real. And I figure if I'm going to give them one against the Bills, I'm going to take the home game. But I, I get where you're coming from. See, I'm the opposite. See, I gave them the win later in the season on the road because my whole thinking is they they get that out of the way and then they start rolling. Is kind of my 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 thinking here. Yeah. Um, all right, week two, Jets Cowboys in Dallas. I know there's going to be some tough games coming up, so I don't feel bad saying I have the Jets 2-0. All right, that's the Jets' first win for me. Jets host the Patriots. You better. You better. Yep, I I agree. That's got to be a win. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, again, you know, talking about ulterior motives, you know how you win over the fan base? You absolutely destroy the Patriots the first time you get to play them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 100%. win there. Uh week four, the Jets host the Chiefs. Um, I'm gonna give them a loss just on the fact that I just think Patrick Holmes is the best quarterback ever. Yeah, yep. I'm I'm at three and one. That's a loss. Yeah. Um that'll be two and two for me. Uh and then the Jets travel to your second favorite team, the Denver Broncos. This the Jets have this game circled. Um they have it yeah. bulletined. Um, one of my favorite parts of hard, hard knock so far was when they're playing the pylon game and Hackett's going to throw and hit the pylon and they're basing it off the movie basketball from the South Park guys where there's a psych out factor and you say something as the guy's throwing to throw him off and Aaron Rodgers just goes Sean Payton and Hackett misses. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That's a win. That was, that was good stuff. Um, all right. I, I too have them winning that game. Next game, the Jets host the Eagles. That's a loss. A great test. Going to be a really fun game to watch. Uh, that's just a team that's really good all phases of the ball. That's going to be a loss. Yeah, that I, I agree. That's a loss, but I would not be stunned if that's a uh, Super Bowl preview right there for sure. Um, next game is the MetLife Bowl. Jets, I guess, are the away team in against the Giants. It's nice that they're the away team. It's sort of an extra home game. Uh, yep. At this point, the Jets are the better team, I think. Um, I, I like the Jets there. I think they're better offensively. They're better defensively. I just like the Jets. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it, it, not just because we're a local a local uh, show here, we'll, we'll get to the Giants in our next episode, as well as it's a little bit deeper of Met talk as well. But for the Giants, I think that they kind of serve as like a, they're, they're, this is the beginning steps of like a uh, build like they're in the middle of a build whereas the Jets kind of leapfrog them and they're sort of at the end of their build where they've obviously got the the Hall of Fame quarterback and the Giants are trying to build a, a formidable system here but I think n- not yet for the Giants right then a couple years from now the Giants might be better than Jets 
wouldn't wouldn't stun me at all. But this year, I think the Jets are going to be far superior than the Giants. So I'm going to go to the Jets there as well. Um, next game, Jets hosting the Chargers. A home game, I want to say a win. I hope the Jets don't become sort of what the Chargers have become, where it's sort of a team that gets – they just seem to get too much love. I just, I just don't think they're there yet. I think on paper the Jets probably have the edge. I'll give it to the Jets at home. Uh, that's obviously a game that scares me, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to give the Jets a win. I hear what you're saying. I'm just not that high in the Chargers, to be honest. Um, just as as an overall team, I, you know, I don't need to get into really crazy Chargers talk, but they're definitely good. They'll definitely be, you know, they'll be a team to beat for sure. Uh, they'll be a threat, but I just I think the Jets are maybe like one step up from the Chargers, in my opinion. Um. So that I have that as a win. Uh, next game, Jets against the Raiders. This is a Sunday night vehicle. Oh wow! I didn't know the Raiders had a Sunday night against the Jets. Yeah, I like Char- the Jets sorry, Chargers I the- is um Chargers is Monday night. Sorry, forgot to mention that. Okay, yeah, uh, th- I think the Raiders are a team just completely uh, reconstructing here. I don't know how much longer Devontae Adams is even going to be there. He might be. He might be on the Jets by this game. Yeah, hopefully him and David Bakhtiari. Uh, I yeah, wow. like the Jets again. Uh, I like the Jets as well. Again, I don't know which which direction the Raiders are really going in, so I'll take the Jets. Um, the next game, I, I kind of previewed this. This is the the rematch against the Bills in Buffalo. I think the Jets get rolling here, and I think the Jets win this game. Yep. So we'll we both have them one and one. Disagree on the games. That's fine. I have a loss. That's a uh, that's a Sunday four o'clock game. That that should be a Sunday night game of all. Anytime the Jets play the Bills this year, it should be a primetime game. Am I wrong there? Yeah, I actually didn't even realize till recently that they open up on Monday night. Yeah, it's pretty on. Yeah, and and on nine eleven, two New York teams. That's an absolute ticket and a half, to be honest. New York Jays. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Um, then the next game. Speaking of crazy time slots, Friday three o'clock prime video. The Jets host the Miami Dolphins. I, I, I'm i going to say a loss. This is another team I think they're going to split with. Um, I don't know. I think it's just one of those weird games. I think the Jets probably on paper have the edge over Miami by a, by a smidge. Um, I don't think they're going to take two from them. And this game just being one of those weird, you know, it's a weird time of the week. It's a weird time of day. Uh, I'll give the Dolphins that one. Yeah, I, I I'm I agree with you, but I think the Jets win the first one, and then I have them losing the second one uh, in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, so I I do agree that's going to be a split as well. Um, but I'll have them winning this one. Um, next game Sunday one o'clock Jets host the Falcons. That I believe be should a- be a win. Yep. Um, not much more to say there. Uh, next week Jets host the Texans. I believe that most likely will be a win, a consensus win as well. Yep, that's another. I got them at nine and four at this point. Uh, I I have them thirteen and four overall. So, uh, I'll I'll get. I was going to say my record at the end. I, I wasn't really keeping track because I just had it fully down at the end. But um, the next game is the game I have them losing. That is that is in Miami, one o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to take the win. Yeah, I will. So we'll split. We'll split Miami. Split Buffalo. Split Miami, split Buffalo, and sweep the the Patriots, and I then you'll have a successful season. Uh, next week, the Jets host the Commanders. That should be a win as well. Yeah, did we gloss over the Dolphin game? 
Oh yes, sorry. I'm. I just. I thought we both agreed that it would be a split. Oh yeah, no, we did. We did. So uh, all right, so split there. Uh, you say beat the Commanders at home. Jets are yes. home. All right, I agree. Next game, they head to Cleveland Thursday night football. That's a win. I agree. That's a win. And then they round out against the Patriots in Foxborough. Always tough to predict week 17s. You'll never know. Um, or I guess week 18, is it technically, since they play 17 games um, the last week of the season. Uh, I, I still think they win. They might they might be able to beat the Patriots with Zach Wilson at the helm. Yeah, so that would – if I had them winning, that would leave me at 13-4. and four. I'd love me, to sweep the too. Patriots. I still think there's a little something there, and I also think 12 wins to me just sounds a little better than 13 if I'm going for accuracy here. So I'm going to say Belichick finds a way to beat them once. Let's hope the reason is that the Jets are all locked in and no one has to play. Um, I'll yeah. have the Jets at 12-5 and five to round out the season. How good would it be if, like, the Jets are – you know, lock they're they're locked into the playoffs. They can play all the backups, and then they still beat the Patriots. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't that Zach, be funny? Zach Wilson just torches them. Yeah, that the, the Zach yeah. Wilson game, and we can we're going to say four years from now that uh, a combination of Bill Belichick and Aaron Rodgers birthed uh, Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, um, that would be quite funny. So we're both at thirteen and four. Uh, I wound up at twelve and five, just giving twelve the and five is the last game. last game. Okay, so. So we'll, we'll, we'll both say that if the number is 10 and a half for their over under, I think it was, or maybe 11 and a half, we like that over. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I think we might have to, to uh, throw a few um, coin coinage on that game on the, the over maybe as, as like a podcast. Maybe that's our, maybe that's our Instagram post. Our we bet. See if there's like a, if there's a book that wants to do like the Apanis special. And yeah. Or even if like we had a friend that, that worked for a, a, a sports book and specifically in content that might be even, even able to get that set up. I don't know. I don't know if you yeah, know. Anyway. We, I, I'll look around. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some useless hack probably will take that. But yes. um, uh, anything else you want to say on the jets? Any other final notes? I'm, I'm hyped for the season and every Tuesday I get more and more hyped when hard knocks comes out. Yeah, me too. I mean, with, with the baseball teams kind of being done, it's kind of the only thing we have right now. Um, have you been watching any of the NBA, any of the uh, whatever it even is called? No, but I was I was on TikTok yesterday for maybe like 40 minutes straight just watching Austin Reeves uh, and his uh, golf channel that he plays with like his brother and his friends. That's 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 all I had to say about that. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a blast. Yeah, if it was uh, I, I put my limit on like my TikTok, like my screen limit. And uh, I, I reached it in one session, and that's how I knew it was 40 minutes on the news. Just watching all the news play golf. Because I definitely have to do that. I'll, I'll walk you through that off air. I don't think uh, I don't think any of our listeners really need to listen to to the, the iPhone demo section of this podcast. All right. But uh, if you don't have anything else to say, I'm all good. Uh, right now, the Mets are winning 4-2 to two in the top of the fifth. Tyler McGill Day. Um, I'm going to go watch Let's the rest go. of that mercifully. Um, but, uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please interact with all our socials. We'll get some, some more content from this episode out there soon. Um, and as always have a good one. Go Jets.